0: Welcome to Muffly Auto, a Harry Potter podcast where we fill your ears to prevent you from hearing nearby conversations. I'm Josh, and I'm Blake, and today Josh and I sneak into the kitchens for a feed as
1: we continue our journey through Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, and come now to the twenty-first chapter, the House Elf Liberation Front. Now, Josh, I think I have to admit that this is probably, or this would be the most used aspect of Hogwarts uh, if I was there. Uh, I feel like. I would be taking and it would be very dangerous, um, but I feel like I would be taking quite a few trips down uh, to the old uh, portrait and uh, tickle the pear, and then in I go to the kitchens because, man, if these house elves are so willing to bring and make me delicious and wonderful food and it is their joy to do so. Who am I to
0: to deny that? You know, uh, I can just picture you gaining a nickname, maybe as the Pear Tickler.
1: Uh, yeah. I wonder if that dissuades me from uh from from doing this a Pear Tickler. <laughs> that uh, sort of you, you might also wrong, become
0: but, the shape of a pear before too long. I,
1: before too long, I think I I yeah. The Pear Tickler will have sort of a double meaning. Um, yeah. but uh, yes. Although no, you
0: that, know what you know, if if you do it well, you would have been in in high school. Um, you can eat whatever you want then, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like you know,
1: if I was in the Quidditch team, or I was, you know, and and like that high metabolism or whatever as a as a teenager, you know, just go go go. I think I might have been all right, you know.
0: But, uh, no, that's a, it's a good point. Still got to still got to be careful, but uh, yeah. Uh, well, and um, it really does make you wonder too, how many students are are taking advantage of this, you know if. Mm. By, by all means, it seems like Fred and George are, are among a very, very small minority. Um, yeah. Perhaps the only ones, but definitely yeah. a small group. And you just wonder how, how much more joy could be brought into the house elves' lives <laughs> if they could cook a bit more, right? Surely, surely if too many
1: people were going down and tickling their peer... Uh, getting getting inside um, the kitchens surely there would be like a stop to it Um, but Fred and George you know they've they've discovered many things but it doesn't seem to be like this is a secret that is like crazy you know like it's it's seems like it's probably something ordinary like where you know you never know that some of the teachers might have like just gone down to talk to the house elves about you know potential menus and things like that and so surely like people would see you going into this you know into the kitchen area and maybe not many people would be fussed by it i mean but fred and george take full use of it to to supply their party
0: needs yeah and rightly so rightly so you know this is in in their minds part of the hogwarts experience right here yeah i don't know I don't know, like
1: Hogwarts it might be free. It, it might have a compulsory donation. Don't you just love when, uh, when schools have that compulsory donation? And then, uh, or it might be, you know, like I don't think it's paid. I think it's free education. But you think, you know, out of all the students, Fred and George, they really are getting their money's worth. Uh, they're the ones that are going to be, you know, walking away from this experience uh, or flying away from this experience, I should say, um, as we uh, see in uh, in, the, in the later books. And uh, I think I think there's some of the students who have probably had the best time at
0: Hogwarts. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. And what time isn't improved by some amazing food from the Hogwarts kitchens? Yeah, that's so true, and we'll we'll talk a little bit later about that because that
1: that magic is just so sweet, and um and we'll jump back into talking about the kitchens, but let's
0: talk about what they've done in this chapter, Josh, and uh, we'll we'll get going. After Harry's successful escape from the Hungarian horntail, the trio head to the Owlery to send a detailed play-by-play account to Sirius. As they walk, uh, Harry fills Ron in on the news he has missed when he refused to talk to Harry. Ron is understandably surprised to learn about Karkaroff's past and is overly agreeable to anything Harry has to say. From the owlery, they return to the Hogwarts common room to the celebration hosted by Fred and George. Everyone here wants Harry to open the golden egg. Once opened, the egg emits a horrible screeching noise. The students take turns trying to guess what kind of clue this may be. Hermione asks Fred and George if the food for the party came from the kitchens and therefore from the house elves. They confirm the food's origin, but also go to great lengths to remind Hermione about how willing the house elves were to give them the food. As winter settles in, the weather turns worse and worse. This makes care of magical creatures particularly unenjoyable. One class, Rita Skeeter, shows up with great interest in the blast and its scroots. She arranges an interview with Hagrid, while the trio worry about what compromising news Hagrid might reveal under the influence of the quick quotes quill. Later, after a tolerable divination class in which Harry and Ron occupied their time laughing behind Professor Trelawney's back, Hermione runs into them, excited about a recent development. She takes them to the kitchen where they see Dobby and Winky. Dobby has settled into life as a free elf and is enjoying working for Professor Dumbledore. Winky, however, is ashamed and distraught about being separated from her master and betraying Owl House Elves by her freedom. She asserts that Mr. Crouch is a good wizard and worries about how he is doing without her. Curiously, she also mentions that Ludo Bagman is a bad wizard, but refuses to divulge any of her master's secrets. As they leave, Hermione says that she hopes Dobby's freedom and joy will spread to others, but Winky seems to be providing an awkward counterbalance to his testimony.
1: Now, this might be a bit of a random comment, Josh, but aren't all the good parts of this podcast those random, random thoughts and and uh, and questions? Now, obviously, when yeah. <laughs> listening to this, the comment about Professor Trelawney's uh, she put down her needlework, um, and so she must have been, you know, whipping something up like uh, uh, Mrs. Weasley, and part of me started thinking like this was this was you know driving in the car i was listening to this chapter and i just started thinking about uh, how how good like if we can compare these two ladies uh knitting and uh and so obviously mrs Uh, weasley makes the sweaters i'm trying to think what kind of jumper what kind of sweater would uh would trelawney professor trelawney make you know we've got the sweaters that have the letters on them i'm thinking you know is she making is she making a lovely sweater for herself that has like a you know a lovely pattern and a crystal ball on it like mm. what is mm. what is she doing in which case you know what what jersey would you want would you would you want a a professor trelawney uh knitted you know a bit of knitted wear or would you like one from mrs
0: weasley you know it's oh it's in maroon. yeah i don't know i I hate maroon. i I, I couldn't help but picture myself when i read that that she was doing some kind of like embroidery like on an embroidery thing like like that's how i've often heard it to needlework being described as like needle and thread um in some kind of design in which case maybe maybe it's almost like a um Uh, Almost like a a prophetic or or predictive needlework where she'll just start and then something will come up at the end and she'll try and like, it'll be this amorphous blob and it'll be like, (laughs) Harry's going to die in the tournament. And we're like, come on yeah yeah all that all that time for the needlework when you're like no no you've already you've already predicted
1: harry's death multiple times it's just a waste of waste of time but no that makes sense actually um and uh, it's quite a good point where you'd probably refer to it as as knitting right the the what mrs weasley does with the sweater and then needlework um is probably yeah more like that um um yeah not quite knitting a sweater but uh, more like that embroidery type thing so I yeah it could be some kind of prophetic tapestry or prophetic kind of uh, yeah little piece of uh, art there anyway super side question but uh, I was just sort of I was listening to that and then I started thinking I even started thinking about Professor Trelawney opening a little side business up, I me mean, a little side mm. hustle um but uh, I uh, I digress so so Josh for this chapter what's a key theme that we see because I feel like Harry's Got a little bit of well, he's got his friend back now, and uh, I just love how overly positive Ron is to everything that Harry is doing and and saying and all that because he has not been, you know, a good friend, and now he's making up for it.
0: Yeah. Um. So so I think one one theme for for this chapter, Blake, um, is the theme of perspective, um, and and that just comes through with how. How much Harry's perspective has changed on um, on on the Triwizard Tournament? There's just so much excitement and joy. Yes, uh, and yeah, I don't think that's yeah. only because of the fact that he completed the first task. You know, it says as much in the chapter that his perspective has changed because he has Ron back as a friend, right? And so, you know, his perspective on divination has changed uh, because he's able to laugh um, with Ron through that class. Um, his perspective on um, so much of life has changed, but also. We see two different perspectives represented when it comes to a house elf's freedom. Winky and Dobby. Yes. Dobby yeah. loving life, um, enjoying himself, um, and and, and really Fits what Hermione probably expects would be anybody's reaction, Um, but but Winky puts um puts a um a bit of a um, a caution on on Hermione's plans for for house elf um, freedom and and says that you know a lot of house elves don't want this and so whatever your goals may be. They have to be balanced by by Winky really wanting to serve her master. So um, it it really does give a totally different perspective that that we haven't seen so far. And and you know maybe maybe Mr. Crouch was a much better master than the um, the Malfoys. But yes, yeah, yeah. It, it's a different perspective.
1: Yeah, I I can't imagine Mr. Crouch being worse than the the Malfoys. Um, no, exactly. You know, I, yeah, I feel like at least with um. You know, like with the Malfoys, it was very much like Dobby was just like a mistreated, like slave almost, you know, and, um, you know, an abused one at that because they reminded him to do extra punishments and this and stuff. And I don't think you would see that with, um, with Winky, right? Um, Winky would have really loved to be there and to to love you know doing all the the bits and pieces of the the work. Um, but you, it is really interesting that you've got those two perspectives in this story. Um, and there's a reason why I guess this chapter is called the House Elf Liberation Front. You know this this is one of the key parts to it. This this whole scene of the kitchens and all these elves and and you see you know that the uh, the the elves of the kitchen, uh, the elves of the kitchen, um, those those like elves that. that it, like that yeah yeah. it's almost like a you know like a a sort of their banner they ride under we are the elves
0: of the kitchen Um, they ride under the banner of the wooden spoon
1: (laughs) yeah so oh yeah
0: um
1: i can imagine a whole bunch of elves charging and i think um isn't uh isn't that in the final book in the final war or something there's like a whole bunch of elves that that charge they ride under the banner of the wooden spoon so You've got the the kitchen elves, they side with w- uh, Winky, you know, some of the stuff that Dobby is saying, they're kind of shying away from and like, you know, they don't agree with. And so, so Dobby is really this outlier. But when you think about the treatment of owls, you think about Hogwarts, that would be probably the best place to work. That's why, like. You know, there are so many elves uh, that obviously need to work there, but that I think would want to work there because from from later on, we, we hear that Dumbledore is a, an amazing, you know, master. Um, and it's just really interesting, eh, the, the dynamic of, you know, Hermione coming in and thinking that all these elves need rescuing when, you know, they don't feel that way um you know Dobby Dobby definitely did um and they you know and and Harry helped Dobby but yeah, it's just an interesting thing that like they don't
0: show interest to be rescued because they love what they do yeah well said Blake well in addition to to this house elf dichotomy or dual perspective that we see um we also see a very well known characters engagement with house elves and that's yes. professor Dumbledore yeah i i love i love like a, this little bit of character
1: development for Dumbledore because it just shows a bit more of who he is. Um, you know, he uh, his treatment of the house elves, as, as I mentioned before, is is probably far greater than the general master, than you know, than Mister Crouch, right? H- H- uh, Hagrid, Dumbledore treats them in, in a much better way and it's a it, I, I assume it would be a way better working environment but this interaction that Dumbledore has w- with Dobby kind of proves the point that like you know Dobby still loves to work it's not like he's slacking off he um you know he just really enjoys being a free elf and he wants he he wants pay um and uh, and so i just love that Dumbledore is so willing uh, to uh so willing to give uh, you know, quite a quite a decent salary or whatever for a, for a house elf, but uh, Dobby knocks him down. You know, Dobby kind of beats him down a bit, I think it says. and mm. uh, oh, it was so know, funny. It's it's like it's such a great little conversation because you you know Hermione's like all happy and everything, and then when Dobby says you know he gets a galleon a week a week and one day off a month and like and Hermione blurted, over oh, that's not very much, you know like and because she's thinking about it from I guess her point of view right of uh, maybe a normal wizard or witch's wage um, and uh, and then it's it's the insight that. Dobby shares that, well, Professor Dumbledore offered Dobby 10 galleons a week and weekends off, but Dobby beat him down, miss. Dobby likes freedom, miss, but he isn't wanting too much, miss. He likes work better. So it's it's a real <laughs> kind of, it's a cute moment, I feel like, and um, I just love, you know, he was willing to offer, you know, Dobby a, 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 a galleon, a two galleons uh, uh, every kind of working day almost because he, you know, Dumbledore offered offered him weekends off um which but, but that's too much freedom you know that's too much time to yourself like dobby really enjoys working and so i just i, I think this interaction is great um it, it speaks to dumbledore it speaks to uh, uh dobby and uh and his love of who you know who he is and what he, what he does um and uh but i just love that dobby likes freedom miss but he isn't wanting too much miss he likes work better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah I, I i love it so much and and It's just, it just really does uh, call into question, um, you know, kind of an instant overturn of, of house elves going into like a normal workforce under, you know, normal um, it, um, employment laws. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I think they'd probably revolt about how little they'd have to work, like only 40 hours a week, two days off. So it, yeah. It kind of sends Hermione back to the drawing board a bit, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you think that that's what we need in society, Josh? Do, do Do we need to change our attitude and be like, whoa, only 40 <laughs> hours. That's, that's too much. You know, that's, that's too much freedom right there. Please, please. Um, 80 hours a week. Yeah. No, I don't. No, I don't, I don't think so. so. <laughs> It's it's good to have rest. It's good to have rest. It's good to have weekends. You, yeah, we, we, you got to spend some time with your your family. So yeah, as we mentioned, love's work. But Josh, isn't this the largest group of house elves? Is that isn't that mentioned? That's somewhere? right. Yeah, um, yeah, we've heard is that is, elsewhere. Yeah, is it Great Britain or the UK or the? You know, I feel like there's a, there was some sort of measurable thing, a measurable amount. I don't know if that said. This is the greatest group of, you know, house elves in the world. I don't know if it mm. said the world, but it said some significant amount of space. So, I think, uh, yeah, Dobby, Dobby's quite pleased with himself when he realizes this. You know, where do, we do, two house elves find work, um, and and uh, Hogwarts, and it comes to him. So clearly uh there's more room for uh, more owls, you know and uh, uh and Dumbledore i guess i guess if they're willing to work for free uh then you know that's that's pretty easy um but you know now Dumbledore's probably had to open up a a House Elf budget for the year, you know, as he's yeah. planning the school yeah. budget. He's got to think, well, only Do- Dobby is using this uh, uh, school, you know, this budget. But, um, hey, he still had to start it. So, yeah, largest working group of uh, the, the House Elves. And maybe one last point to look at uh, is how Winky especially... But still Dobby show reservation on how they speak about their previous masters. So they've both been dismissed and they're they're no Mm. longer, you know, their new master is Dumbledore. But Winky, who's who's still very raw from that ordeal, is very loyal to Mr. Crouch and does not want to speak any kind of, you know, kind of uh, speak ill of Mr. Crouch in any way. And um, but we see here that Dobby's kind of opening up you know like it's it's always still hard for Dobby to talk of the Malfoys because I think of his long service and it's just kind of ingrained into him that you know you you stay silent about your masters but Dobby here finally you know uh, finally kind of says that oh they're very bad wizards and then you know that, that sets Winky off being like how dare you speak of your masters like this you know and but they're not and so it's just an interesting point to, to hold that they still are tied down a little bit to to those uh, mm. kind of those things, even though they're not magically tied to it, I think it's the uh, consistency of uh, practice of that you know magical tie that has now made them kind of that's a habit to just not speak ill of their masters.
0: Yeah, and speaking of of magical uh, um, bonds and magical relationships uh, between things, we also see these um, incredible magical tables in in the kitchens of. Hogwarts, which uh, correlate one to one to the tables above them in the Great Hall, which is um, some pretty neat magic. We don't we don't get any more information about kind no. of what is all at play, but but interesting nonetheless. Um, and and Blake, something that we we do see though from talking with um, Winky, perhaps the most important and yet in the end unimportant um, news we find out is that Mister Bagman is a bad man, at least in the eyes of Mr. Crouch. Yeah, yeah. We keep... We keep hearing these little things
1: about Ludo Bagman um, coming, usually from the, the Crouchers or the, the, you know, those connected to him. That you know, Bagman, um, Bagman is a not so good wizard, and we think we. I feel like because this, you know, we're we're searching here, we're searching this book while we're reading it for an antagonist, uh, who is the one that has been playing, you know, kind of these these uh, I guess these games of of you know getting Harry into the tournament you know, where's that person? And we're kind of being fed this little sort of string of bits about Bagman being like, yeah, he's a bad wizard or like, oh, we don't like Bagman very much, you know? And, and it's interesting because it contrasts to like, I guess the, what Bagman has showed being very personable and, and friendly and happy. So you, you kind of think, oh, is this, is that just an act? And is he our antagonist for this book? But obviously that's a
0: red herring. Yeah, and this is something that, you know, we see in several different ways, right? He's the one who's trying to help Harry and that leads people to suspect him. Um, eventually <laughs> yeah. Fred and George have this run-in and and so you know, over and over again there is um this this thread that, that runs throughout. Um and, and it's only really much, much later that we understand um yeah, the, the, that this um, division between Bagman and Crouch is is much less uh, concerned with dark wizardry and more concerned with probably um, office administration. Very true. So I guess that's what Josh we can
1: we can say would be that that big part of foreshadowing is is about uh, you know Bagman and just uh, yeah, alluding yeah. to that and uh, the significance maybe of of this chapter when we when we think about it is yes we get that. That taste of uh, you know the the kitchens and the house salves and and uh, a little bit towards the plot or the, the spew plot uh, the spew subplot of this uh, of this book, but I think it's uh, it goes a long way to think about how. Harry how happy Harry is now that this task is done he doesn't really he's like he's got three months to work out this egg so once again he procrastinates and puts it on the back burner (laughs) um, and we'll see how that gets him in trouble but he's got Ron back and he's uh, he's happy now Uh, Ron is eager to serve maybe eager to to make uh, Harry happy just like a house elf Uh, and uh, you know just because he's been in the wrong for so long now they need to make up so that would probably be uh, the significance there. Well, thank you for listening to today's episode. To support the podcast and keep the magic alive, you can leave a rating review on Apple Podcasts. You can also support us financially at www.buymeacoffee.com and to send us questions on our Instagram email or website, you can do that by going to autopodcast.com. To continue the adventure, join us next time as we discuss the 22nd chapter of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, The Unexpected Task.